Like, how is Bruno Fernandes the captain of a football club? Like, a, a fucking cat wouldn't follow him home if his pockets were full of fish heads. <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Do you remember Paul Lambert? There was a period when Villa were being managed by Paul Lambert. I'm just getting traumatised thinking about it, but I genuinely went through a phase when people tried to talk to me about the game or just that Villa in general. I'd say, I don't want to talk about it. And that became a catchphrase of mine then around work and stuff. It was just, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And it's genuinely how I felt. Like I just I didn't want to talk about it. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for them. Nobody was benefiting from me talking about Aston Villa out loud in the world. Just try to block it out week by week as I went along and try to just crawl along through my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought I'd be thinking about Paul Lambert again under the, <laughs> under the Unai Emery regime. And the Unai Emery regime has been great. And this is not the night lane. This is not the, not the day to say... But after 19 games, you know, it's going pretty well. We, we warned us after the Sheffield United match. We said we could go five games now without winning and still justify that this is going pretty okay for 23 matches. This is not the night to do that. Very happy with you and I, Emery, in general. <laughs> <laughs> but this was definitely the worst performance, I think, under you and I, Emery. And it was a sickening, bad, disappointing display. It was so disheartening. And I, I don't even know, I don't even have the heart to do a podcast, to be honest, because I don't want to talk about it. Well, the really frustrating thing for me is we don't exactly need the three ghosts of Christmas to point out how bad United are, have been and will be again. Like how bad they are on paper. The back five was Anana, Wan-Bissaka, Evans, Varane and fucking Diogo Dallo. Like how bad they were in the first 30 minutes. The, 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 the only thing you could hear in the stadium were the Aston Villa fans interspersed with 70,000 people audibly sighing and groaning and, and a full time they were praised by Patrice Everas or sorry full time they were praising Patrice Everas prescience for saying that he was happy with how they played in the first half and he wouldn't be surprised if they won 3-2 and look I know that sounds brilliant now in hindsight <laughs> about as brilliant as Evra would tell you on live TV that David Moyes' daughter looked to Wilfred Zaha but <laughs> <laughs> but to back up the star pundits claim, they showed some footage of Manuera getting in behind illegally. They showed them getting caught offside. Sorry, they, they showed them not understanding the rules of football four or five times. That's how bad they were. But the most frustrating thing was how bad we have had, we must have been to not exploit that, to not take advantage of going 2-0 up, to not control the game, control your emotions, control the fucking ball. It was dreadful. Mm. And that's the thing, like it was very clear for everybody to see that Villa just stopped playing after 26 minutes of football. The game was there to be won, I think I said to you at the time, just score a third here and this game's over. That was so clear. You know Emery would have wanted that as well. I don't know what went through the team. People have been talking about the curse of Old Trafford. and Like there is something there as well. I mean you can't go ahead so often against a team that's so bad and continue to lose and... Once they got that sniff, once they got the offside goal, was, the crowd were up and we were letting them get into it. For nothing, they weren't doing anything. They were getting a couple of shots from outside the box. They were getting a couple of offsides. <laughs> and that was it. But we just started panicking all through the team. Maybe Konza was the only one that showed a bit of composure. Showed far too much composure in injury time when he wouldn't just move the ball. <laughs> and we didn't get a shot in nine minutes of injury time. I've never seen... 
this team, I am so proud of this team. It was it was completely unlike what I've come to know that this team is. Like it's definitely one of my favourite teams to ever watch and support and, and just sit down and enjoy. If it was a neutral, I would enjoy watching Villa. But this team were just clueless and they were panicky and they were getting trapped. And not through any master plan, obviously. They were just getting <laughs> trapped because of their body position, because they were sinking themselves into the byline. All the old stuff, the bad stuff we saw under Dean Smith, under Gerard, it was all there. They were just sinking deep, kicking the ball away. I don't even know if Watkins got a touch of the ball or got a pass to him. It was just the whole thing wasn't connected. It was so bad to watch. Yeah, all the bad things that we associate with Paul Lambert. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it was dreadful. And I think now we can we can finally all agree that having a core of your team that is Clement Longley, Diego Carlos, Douglas, this last night's Douglas Louise <laughs> and Leander Dentonker isn't enough to get you out of the back it just it, he cannot play the way Unai Emery wants us to play and I want us to play as well because remember I'm Emery in and he, he cannot play that system with those four players at the heart of your team no and it's, it's, it's an unacceptable drop off we talk about if Martinez is injured what happens it's not the day to pick on Robin Olsen God love <laughs> He had nothing to do with this. His stock has gone up, going up on the diamond meter. <laughs> Robin Olsen. But, yeah, well, if Kamara's gone and going down on the diamond meter yet again, Bobakar Kamara, what a moron. Like, this is just annoying. We don't have the player. I can see why John McGinn was so pissed off at him now. And I know, I know I said, why don't we try playing Dundonker there in centre midfield? And <laughs> <laughs> push John McGinn further forward. Didn't really work. I know Dundonker got a goal from a set piece, buzzing for him at the time. But then having Longley and Carlos come in, like it, it makes it all the more important that we get a right back, I think, in January. Because we can't have Kanza out at right. If we don't have Pau Torres and Kanza in the middle, we have nobody to take the ball out, to carry the ball out. It's just, it's just not the same. And then when you don't have Bobakar Kamara there, we have the Dunker. It's, it's not... It's, 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 the drop-off is too much, especially if you want to sustain a challenge. And I liked it, Emery doesn't like having excuses and he gets on with it and that is great and it's obviously why we're doing so well in spite of all the injuries that we have and suspensions but like we need some help he needs some help and he's proven that he, he's worthy of it yeah after the game Leander and Donker came out and it's the right tone it's the right message maybe not for this podcast though he said <laughs> we've done brilliantly up until now and we have to keep going we have to keep looking forward Keep looking forward, Leander. <laughs> you had to look forward once yesterday. We probably might have lost the game. Uh, and I don't even know if I have the heart to go through the goals that we scored because it was so enjoyable. And all this podcast should have been was just laughing at United. <laughs> it should have been laughing at Nana. It should have been complimenting our appreciation. Forget about Patrice Evra. How often do we pick out, in fairness, we must have about 14 goalkeepers in the Premier League that we say are shy. <laughs> and that we say, get that keeper involved in the game. And Leon Bailey, Austin McPhee, they've created this master plan that they know how to get a keeper into the game. Well, this specific keeper, just stand behind him. Go on, we've got a free kick out in the right-hand side. Just go on and stand behind him. Don't do anything. Don't do it. It's like that Tommy Tiernan joke when he said, if you, if you have a couple of hours to spare one day, Put a balaclava on and just go into a bank and stand around. <laughs> <laughs> People will be like, what are you doing? I'm doing nothing. I'm just standing here. 
Like you'll be shot by lunchtime and Bailey was standing there and the panic that was going through people were arguing with the ref when Nana was turning around and even before the free kick's taken Bailey moved too early he just puts his head down and starts jogging away he just jogs out but Nana's freaked out by him being there that he just it, just it doesn't go over to the direction that Bailey was once where Bailey was once inhabiting <laughs> and the ball just bounces in it's it's terrible from a Man United point of view it's great from an Austin McPhee point of view yeah it's brilliant we did something similar with McGinn a few weeks ago as well where he was kind of hanging in nearby the goalkeeper and then just drifted away but going in behind him it's amazing it's such a distraction it really gets into Anana's head and once you get in there there's loads of space to rattle around in like make yourself comfortable get out the cigars get out the cigars because you're probably going to score as well like Anana finally decides that if Ten Hag doesn't have the balls to drop him he'll, t- he'll take it on his own hands and just take a fucking seat as well what was that attempt to save the ball he just fell backwards on these fucking arse and then and then, of course, they try to get involved in the in Stockley Park as well, checking for offside by checking if either of the two players who were onside touched the ball <laughs> for about fucking a minute and a half. Yeah, what would what would have happened there? They figured if they did touch it, now they have to check for offside. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this the wrong way around, lads. It's like the Cavani versus Konza thing that time, where they just kept working back until they eventually found something. But then the second goal was another John McGinn set piece, another Austin McPhee creation, and it's a corner, and it's John McGinn into the back post. And it's Longley that heads it down, and it's Dundonker that flicks it in. Lovely little flick in from Dundonker, and I was delighted for him. Yeah, but like we're, man, you're not watching Aston Villa last week. I mean, <laughs> even if they don't have scouts, and we've been given plenty of reason, given their transfer record, to believe that they don't have scouts. <laughs> the game was televised. It was the game that was on on Friday. Sure, they were just into football and had it on in the background. We tried this set piece about six times. And it's, it's absolutely insane that up until this point, nobody has taken the Tony Pulis template and superimposed better players on top of it because it is such a lethal set piece for a team we nearly scored could have scored three goals from it last week and we got one this week yeah. you're right Clement Longley does absolutely brilliantly and Leander and Donker finish is gorgeous but that's probably the last time we'll talk about those two in a positive light <laughs> the thing is Tony Pulis has been managing at the top level for a long time he was doing something right the thing he was doing right was set pieces it wasn't anything else like, <laughs> so how good must his set pieces have been to sustain such a successful career so people do need to take that a bit more seriously like those corners to the back post worked every time and they worked with Lescott as well for fuck's sake <laughs> United got an offside goal I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about these anymore yeah. I think I gave them too much airtime talking about a player being offside I mean, we, we spoke about three Son goals like what was the point it was, it was, they were legal goals they, were, they don't count <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you're right probably not to want to talk about them one thing I was wondering though after that game is the United players are obviously shite and a bit thick. Weird time to call them that, but was the fact that, was the fact that they kept getting in offside and they don't understand the rules? Obviously, making them think that they were more on top of that game than they were. Mm. I mean, that was just the same. Like that is just the same as Diego Carlos just cutting out a through ball. That's exactly what we're trying to do. That's how we're defending. Yeah. We're in control of that situation. But the United think because they've run through on goal and had a shot before the yeah. flag was up that they're actually dominating the yeah. game. Patrice Evra certainly did. Yeah, <laughs> like we're getting away with something or something like that, that that it's happening that way almost like oh you jammy but but I said these 
to you before at the Aviva Stadium when when I join you sometimes with your season ticket. <laughs> but it's just like, just take a shot because it gets the crowd going. Just just have a shot that bounces into the keeper's hands, especially when you're watching 20 minutes of nothing. Just something to get the crowd, like get an applause going in the stadium and get them more interested in the next kickout. And that did help United because... United were starting to see, and probably for the first time this whole calendar year, they were seeing their players going in behind. Like, they haven't scored in four games before this match. And then suddenly they were all getting a side to go, and it was probably getting their confidence up. Well, yeah, well, having a shot at the Aviva Stadium definitely got the crowd up the last time you were there because the shot went flying over the bar and the crowd were playing <laughs> oh, with it for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, then, then it all started. What the fuck nomination here? Probably, probably two-pronged. I don't know who's most to blame. I'm in... I think they're equally to blame. Diego Carlos is passing. Douglas Louise is weak, and it's maybe silly just not looking around. But when he does look around, everybody's just standing in the villa team. This was happening for the last sixty-nine minutes of that whole match, and Douglas Louise is on his heels, and Bruno Fernandez is the only one running on the whole pitch for for most of the game, and he just <laughs> nicks in in front of Douglas Louise. Plays it to Rashford, squares it to Ganacho. And the one time Rashford squares it. <laughs> and and Ganacho's onside this time. And uh, yeah, it's a goal. Yeah, and there's been a lot of revision this morning about how well Manchester United played, how much they put Aston Villa under the cosh. But the reality is, up until this point, Bruno Fernandes was their only player who looked like he'd been on a football pitch before. So for Douglas Louise to be napping when Manchester United's only player is 12 inches behind him. It's absolutely pathetic. Especially seeing as Douglas Louise spent the 90 minutes he was on the pitch looking over his fucking shoulder to see where Diego Carlos was to roll the ball backwards. Yeah. For him to not have any awareness in that one instance of the game, what was behind him, really frustrating. Dougie was really annoying me today. Like Our player of the season so far just wouldn't open up his body. It's, 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 it's an on-the-raid thing. When you get the ball, turn on the ball and have a look out. Open your body. Give yourself more of a chance. Get a sight of the pitch. Get more options then when you've got the ball. And well, Why am I telling Douglas Louises? He just wouldn't open his body. It was so... But it, it summed up how we were playing, how we were feeling, obviously, in that, that match. Ah, and the second one is Garnaccio again. And I mean, I, I was sort of crying for Moreno to come on in the first half because it just... <laughs> It seemed like Dean, look at Dean, didn't have the pace for Moreno, or for Garnaccio. And I wanted Moreno on. And oh, Jesus, I wanted Moreno to come for that ball then that was there for him to come for. And he, he didn't. And uh, a couple of bobbles to get the ball through. And ah, uh, comes back into Garnaccio. And then it deflects. It's just. Uh, I'm fed up talking about this match already. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It, it all starts with Manu playing an absolutely dreadful pass around the corner. I had to watch it back to figure out what he was trying to do there. And I think, I think having watched it three or four times, it was to Ericsson. But I, I honestly can't tell what he was thinking. He played the ball into an empty space. But more importantly and more worryingly, Alex Moreno was fucking hallucinating at this moment. Like he saw a Man United player appear out of fucking thin air and go and collect the ball. And he just stood back and watched before Garnacho actually does then go out and collect the ball because he realises nobody's beside him. And then apparently Clement Longley can't simultaneously stand on his two feet and kick a football. Fucking pathetic. He just falls in his arse. With that. Like, there was no power in that ball. He could have controlled it instead yeah. of flicking it back out to Garnacho. And then Garnacho kicks the ball at Diego Carlos and Man United get their second goal. <laughs> the, uh, Clement Longley's brain shut down for the third goal then as well. I don't know what he was thinking. He, he gets the ball in the box. It's like, it's like everything stops. Everything within him stops. And he... 
I don't even know if he's trying to run out with the ball. Is he trying to shield the ball? He just holds the ball in the box until someone bundles him over and he can see, has to concede a corner to rescue the situation. Unnecessary corner. That's a fine for Clement Longley. <laughs> it's also a nomination for the What the Fuck Award. And then I don't know if we can give a What the Fuck Award to John McGinn, but it's really annoying. The corner comes in, it lands at his legs and he knees it. He sets it up beautifully for... For Hoyland, he wraps his foot around it on the instep, on the volley, lovely into the bottom corner. And of course, of course, he gets off the mark against us. And it's just, I don't want to take away from 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 them coming 2-0 down and, and going 3-2 up. It's a big moment. And it's obviously a big moment that he gets his first goal. But Jesus, like, relax. Like, you're, 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 you're bought for a lot of money to score a lot of goals. I mean, don't be milking this situation that much. I don't know. It gets a standing ovation then coming off. This, this has just ruined my Christmas, to be honest, this whole thing. Yeah, but that, that's what that's what I was getting at at the top of the show. I mean, Man United beat us 3-2 deservedly, but I'm giving out about the fact that Man United are shit, and this just just the absolute, the picture of why we think they're shit as well, his reaction. Yeah. Just to go back to it, like the, the ball doesn't go to Longley quickly enough for Marino as well. I mean, if you were always going to play that pass, then play that fucking pass. Why are you not just rolling into him so he mm. can spank it? But Clement Longley trying to dribble past two players in his own box. I mean, we didn't get a close-up of his face, but I'm pretty sure he was dribbling from his mouth as well. Fucking brain-dead nonsense. What the fuck was he playing at? McGinn, yeah, like, McGinn's solid knee. We would have been better served by him turning his back and trying to absorb the momentum of the ball (laughs) in his arse. And this isn't a big thing either. (laughs) Not that McGinn not reacting to a ball that dropped over somebody's head is a big deal. But Carlos turns his upper body when he's going out to block that ball. You want like, he's standing at the in the penalty spot. Make yourself as big as possible, Diego. If the ball hits you in the chest, I don't care who struck it and from how far away, it's not going to hurt you. I've seen you with your fucking top off, man. But to concede a goal scored by a young fella who looked like he was going to cry after he scored it, yeah. I mean, fuck me. I think we need to start advertising ourselves. Four in ten Premier League centre forwards are impotent, but there is something you can do. <laughs> You don't have to suffer in silence. Contact Aston Villa on like a thousand minutes without a goal. Of course it was against Aston Villa. Yeah. And uh, I think I had said to you, and I don't even think it was just rage at the time. I don't think it was knee-jerk. We were 2-0 down and I said, I I think we're going to lose this match 3-2. You could see it. You could see it all over the pitch. And unfortunately, that is what happened. And unfortunately, it was against a poor enough team who were there to be beaten, beaten by more, and we were in a position again, tuning it up to go do it, and we shit the bed, really shit the nest. And all we can do now is try and get through this Burnley match. I don't know, and try and get some signings in early, but like, that doesn't happen either. It's going to be the end of January. The whole thing could be over, the season could be over by that stage. <laughs> right, let's leave it there. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with WhatsApp Winches. Aston Villa players failing to keep the ball in play. It's just it's a it's a pitch you've been playing on it your whole life. Just, <laughs> just keep it within the sidelines. John McGinn, first time out for a throw in. It's a ball from Diego Carlos. It's plays it into him in that number ten position where I was saying we need John McGinn to be playing him. <laughs> I 
Oh, he's trying to hit Kanza first. Now, you relax, like it's John McGinn. It's Maney behind you. Maney seems like a good player, but he's, he's a child. You're John McGinn. You can hold Dan Byrne off with a long ball from Emmy Martins. <laughs> you can take a pass into your feet with Maney behind you. Like that, that, that was symptomatic of it. John McGinn sprinting at a ball and trying to just hook it. He tried that in the second half as well, tried to hook it out to the other wing, and it got blocked down. It was a what the fuck moment. The This one just goes out for a a throw-in so he, he gets fined and then Watkins also did a first time out for a throw-in I was just fed up seeing Villa they just treated United with so much respect nobody this season has looked at Man United the way Villa have they haven't they haven't treated them with with that reverence like oh, oh my god it's, it's, it's United player coming up my backside that should be an opportunity <laughs> and, and that that is the most frustrating thing but no one else has done so not only not only do we have no reason to think this ourselves, we've also been shown just go out and blow them away. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the first WhatsApp wins, and again, this could have been so much more fun, but Fernandez passive-aggressively standing offside because, <laughs> because Villa did it. Like, that, that was bad. I said the Sheffield United restart from Villa's goal was the saddest thing I've ever seen on a football pitch when they just kicked the ball straight out of play from the centre but I don't know Bruno Fernandes standing he's doing it wrong as well he's standing in front of the keeper he is offside he's standing in front <laughs> and, then, and then he's complaining to the ref he's pointing like, this is the thing about Fernandes as well this is why so many opposition fans really don't like him because you can tell exactly what he's complaining about every time. It's all over his face, it's all over his hands, and he's pointing that they were doing it in the first half. And remember, they were two 0 down at this stage. This should have just been this. This should have just been an absolute collapse from them, and that should have been the pictures we were seeing. Fernandez just desperately taking himself out of the match, just going into an offside position, nothing planned, standing in front of the keeper. Yeah, exactly. Imagine just t- taking that into your own hands, wandering in and standing in a place that had nothing to do with a routine that was about to take place. Yeah. It was fucking Christian Eriksen shooting to the same side of the goals that Bruno Fernandes was at, <laughs> absolutely guaranteeing that Bruno Fernandes would be called offside. Yeah. Uh, but it all started with him protesting the first goal as well. I mean, he got up into Craig Dawson's face protesting Leon Bailey's existence, I guess, because he couldn't have been protesting the fact that Leon Bailey was offside. He was behind a goalkeeper. <laughs> A few minutes later, he went up for a he went up for a header, a yard offside on the wing. And when this was pointed out to him, he was fucking incandescent with rage as well. <laughs> but he's not the fucking brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, is he? Like he's looking directly across the line. And then a few minutes later, there was a dinked free kick, and he must have thought there were different rules for the right wing because he did exactly the same thing. He was just looking across the line again, stood there, waited for the pass to come. But that wasn't the worst. It was. He played Rashford, Rashford through yeah. twice. Like, it looked like he thought he was playing five a side against a team of five strangers plucked from the fucking vegetable aisle of Tesco. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe they've let Rashford drift in there. Fucking moron. And then there was another incident where, where Hoyland told him he was offside running down the wing. But Fernandez knew better. He's the captain. He'll decide when you're offside, pal. Like, how is Bruno Fernandez the captain of a football club? Like, a, a fucking cat wouldn't follow him home if his pockets were full of fish heads. <laughs> And, and then and then when he finally got booked for whinging about trying to take a quick free kick, I would say the descent he showed afterwards was the most graphic I've seen this season. Yeah. And it went on for so long yeah. as well. It was actually worse than the two incidents combined that got Dallow sent yeah. off. And he didn't get one yellow card for it. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. It was obviously what they seemed to think that Dallow did or what we were all expecting to see what happened with Dallow after Dallow. didn't seem to show a second 
show of consent after he got the yellow card against Liverpool. It was really bizarre. Fernandez continued to show dissent directly at the referee as well. Fernandez was also given out to the linesman. It's, it, he is stupid. Like this is the hard thing when Fernandez is good against you. <laughs> <laughs> he's stupid. He's annoying, and he's complaining to the linesman for putting his flag up for offside. I was like, "What are you talking about?" But the second WhatsApp point, anyway, is pointed this out. I don't know if it was last game or the game before, but Conza letting the ball go out for a throw-in. And then giving himself the most difficult throw-ins is really annoying me. You know, this, this is going to get into fining territory if he keeps this up. <laughs> and this happens in the injury time period that I'm talking about as well, where all we did in injury time was Conza played it to Carlos, to Conza, to Martinez. And then Conza, like, you know, United player would clear it and Conza would guide it out for a throw-in. And then by the time he picks it up, everybody's marked up. Get the ball at your feet and move it on. You're the only one who can do this for us today. <laughs> Yeah, and I was expecting that that ball was bouncing up awkwardly from out the right wing. It wasn't. No Man United player had pressed the meter and he just lets it go out of place so he could throw the ball down the line to Zaniolo. <laughs> Speaking of fucking shit throw-ins down the line, with Zaniolo involved in it, a couple of minutes later, Zaniolo runs oh. over, tries to take a quick free ki- free throw-in down the line and yeah. fucking a foul throw. A foul throw that was pointless as well because he just threw the ball away. Fucking idiot. Yeah, that that's a fine. Actually, foul throw is an immediate fine. United also was it Wan Bissaka? I think had a foul throw in the first half. They were chasing the game at that stage in the second half, so they were never going to get punished for it. <laughs> but yeah, very frustrating. We've got a lot of award categories to rifle through. So why don't we leave that there? And we'll come back after this. My mind's telling me no. This is what makes Big Bear DT so hard to resist. But my body. My body's telling me yes, baby. He's like a lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god is he delicious. Big Bertie 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 so hard to resist. Too hard to resist. But what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control and overall it's not the best thing for me so hard to resist so hard to resist it's very enjoyable eating the burger my god is he delicious my god so hard to resist lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger Bertrand Chirori Bertrand Chirori a moment on the lips forever on the hips The Peter Enkelman What The Fuck Award. Look at Dean Wick down the left at one stage and just try to drill the ball inside. I think it was the Douglas Louise. No idea. Went to know him. <laughs> and Leander the Donker pulled him out of all people. And then Longley. Longley runs into the box and loses the ball. Like, it, this is this is the one that we're talking about. This is the goal. This is the big one. Like, it, it concedes the corner was probably the best outcome <laughs> from that. And then Tim. Tim Rugbinen. Probably pronouncing that wrong. But I know I've been saying that for a couple of years, so I'm just going to stick with it. <laughs> but his big comeback, the ball's coming to him for his first touch. 
at Old Trafford, go on, change the game for us there, son, and he just falls over instead. <laughs> like, that was bad. And the only other nomination I have here, apart from maybe the Douglas Louise and Diego Carlos incident for the first goal, which is probably the winner, to be honest, is John Duran just drilling the ball at Douglas Louise's cock at the edge of the box. <laughs> it might have been John Duran's first touch. I was crying for subs. Get the Abbey on All the Abbey was trying to do that whole game was get his first touch under control. <laughs> That's what he brought to that match. It's just him sprinting to chase after his first touch and roll it back to the dunker. Duran gets this ball. He's up top of Ovali. And Diaby is actually over in the left hand side. I assume he's trying to play it to him. And he just drills it off Dougie. And Dougie looks winded by it. Lose the ball, obviously. Yeah, you said at the time, even if even if that pass was to Dean, who was 30, 28 yards behind him, yeah. it's still a shit pass. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't need that power at all. And as soon as I saw Timbo come on as well, my first thought was, why were we not playing him from the start? And I was like, thank God I didn't say that out loud once I saw him fall on his fucking arse. Unfortunately, now I've said it in front of thousands of people. Let's do the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. And we had chances to put this game to bed and put the blanket around it and everything. Dallow gives the ball away and Bailey... Bailey and Watkins are going down the right. Bailey has to play it far earlier than he does. It's Johnny Evans. Like you don't. This is what I'm saying about the respect that we're giving this team. You don't need to draw Johnny Evans in and play, <laughs> play the ball at the perfect time. Just play it. Just play it in front of Watkins. He's going to get through. He's going to get in behind. And he just lets him take it off. There's so many Villa passes like that today where mm. they just delayed it and passed it at the wrong time and passed it when it was so telegraphed. Yeah, and this is probably why we had an uncomfortable feeling even when we went 2-0 up. I mean, if Johnny Evans' synapses are communicating quicker than your own, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> if, if Johnny Evans can move his feet quicker than you can move the ball, let's just go home now. Even yeah. after we went 2-0 up, call it, call it a day. Fernandez actually didn't look offside at one stage for a ball over the top. Look, <laughs> look at Dean look to be playing him on. Like, look at Dean. This is the problem, I think, sometimes when look at Dean's playing against fast players. He's trying to trying to just spy himself a few yards but if we're playing such a tight regimented offside line just one to keep an eye on but Fernandez is onside I think it would have been checked and it's bouncing he hits it on the half volley hits it on the turn but he hits it horribly wide it was an awful awful attempt from him yeah it was a terrible connection and I don't know why he shot so early as well I mean he was in space he was at the edge of the box he could have taken that down on his knee a little bit further into the box weird decision terrible execution Two Rashford chances. One is Fernandez coming down through the middle. I think we give the ball away. And <laughs> he plays it left to Rashford. Comes back on his right and it's a good Emmy Martinez save. And he smothers it. Just stops the ball parrying out. And then Rashford coming in the left. He's one-on-one with Konza. Konza sort of blocks any realistic chance for him to score. And he he slices it with his with his left foot terribly wide. I think the, I think the first one there at this stage of the game... Leon Bailey not being offside had still was still in Fernandez's head because he actually plays a terrible pass to Hoyland and then Marcus Rashford intercepts it yeah. and runs through. You said good save from Martin. It's a terrible finish from Rashford. He hits it straight down the middle of the mm. goals. Martinez just has to fall on top of it. The next one, oh my god! Like he nearly missed the ball. He connected with it so badly. <laughs> uh, then like this is where it starts to get a bit painful to be honest because th- this one wasn't as bad, but. It's a good Rana save. Didn't think he had it in him. But Moreno crosses one in for Leon Bailey and he volleys it on the instep. And Rana gets down well to save it. But then the, the Diego Carlos free header. I mean, every time we whipped a corner in, we thought 
we weren't getting joy from corners. I mean, come along Manchester United, we could have been reversing that ad that Aston Villa ad. <laughs> Aston Villa will help your forwards, Man United will help your corner stats. And this should have been an Austin McPhee hat-trick, really. Like he should be celebrating today, but the corner comes in. Diego Carlos, we talk about free headers. It was a Douglas Louise corner. This, this, is, this is not even... This isn't what people talk about when they say free headers. This is somebody having the ball landed onto the head with nobody, absolutely nobody around. I don't know how he's done this. Like He's still standing as well as the ball comes. It's not like he's over it. It's not like he's under it. It's just a terrible header over the bar. Such a big chance. Yeah, and Austin McPhee definitely has a wizard outfit as well, so he doesn't need another hat. But I'm still sure <laughs> I'm still sure he would have taken pleasure in getting three goals from set pieces. Absolutely terrible from Diego Carlos. I mean, I almost feel guilty for two and a half years ago slagging off Courtney House for his heading ability. Yeah. This was this worse than anything Courtney House has ever done. And I don't say that lightly. The f- <laughs> there was one as well you missed there where Watkins... Watkins is just coming in on the line and Varane just stretches up. Varane does pretty well to clear it off the line and more importantly, not pull his hamstring seeing as it was the first thing he's done on a football pitch in two years. <laughs> the, the Bailey volley, like it's a good forearm for Monana. Bailey does really well to control the volley and get it across his body. But he doesn't get it across far enough really. And then it's mm. dink back in and we're given the most graphic vision of why we should be ashamed of ourselves for not getting Monana more involved in the game every time we had the ball. So he comes scrambling out and just <laughs> kind of palms the ball down to Luca Dean. Fucking dreadful. Yeah. And then Marino sets up another chance and this was bad. I mean, we're here having a laugh at Johnny Evans and it's Johnny Evans that scuppers us. Chance to go back in front after we got our arses like we did, it's so annoying, isn't it? It's happened to Sheffield United as well. Concede a goal and bang, we're creating chances suddenly again. We finally concede a second goal against United and everybody's up and they're going at them and Moreno squares it across for John again coming running in on his left foot. Couldn't ask for a better chance really at that time to go and win the game and it's an awful connection and John Evans does well to block it but he's given the chance to block it. Yeah, I mean, like, your captain coming in six yards out and a player with John McGinn's mental strength as well. I would not have expected him to ankle the ball against Johnny Evans' ankle. It was yeah. fucking dreadful. The ball coming right to... Oh, like it's, it is the perfect opportunity. The perfect player coming in on it. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, Leon Bailey would have roofed it. That would have been the perfect player coming yeah. in. <laughs> uh, the only other nomination didn't really lead to a shot. But John McGinn got in down the left. I don't know what he was waiting on. Oh. An invitation. He turns in the box and he tries to he tries to turn away from his left foot as well. I don't know what he was doing. Just hit the balls on your left. Yeah, turns away from his left foot into two players as well. It was dreadful. Hit the shot. Like I said, get Onana involved in the game. Yeah, it's it's McGinn probably the winner. But I, what he gives a Diego Carlos is this is worse than any Conza chance. Believe it or not. <laughs> I'm happy to give up the both for them. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, boys. You fucked up my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Two nominations for the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award. One of them a bit more... A bit more not to blame. Blameless. <laughs> Don't know why I hesitated there. A bit more blameless than the other. Ollie Watkins. Would have been good to maybe use him once or twice in this match. <laughs> And the other, you're not going to like it, the other is Jacob Ramsey. But I just don't know where he went in this match. I know he's coming back from injury, but geez, we could have could have used him, really. We could have used another player out there. Yeah, the first, the first half an hour, Jacob Ramsey was involved a lot in the game. He was getting on it. It seemed like we wanted to get in that side. But the connection was never really there between him, Watkins and Dean Neeler, which was the frustrating thing. We had a few opportunities. And the supporters. 
<laughs> yeah, and it just... The things he were doing were fine, but he wasn't doing anything magical. So then once he doesn't do anything for the next fucking 90 minutes, and you know, or 60 minutes, you know he's in trouble. He's going to definitely be nominated for this award. Uh, Jacob Ramsey hasn't been anywhere near the level Jacob Ramsey can be and should be at to be playing for Aston Villa. Do you like Glenn Whelan taking a 90th minute penalty award? <laughs> Probably labouring this point, but Khan's at right back because with Pau Torres gone... I know what we're saying, oh, we need Pau Torres, we need Kamara. But especially when Pau Torres is gone, we have nobody stepping out with the ball in that central channel. And Villa having control in that central channel is so important. It's why you're inviting pressure. But then when you see a game like that, it's like, why are you inviting pressure? You're not able to cope with it. Mm. But they are able to cope with it when they have Kamara, Dougie, Pau and Kanza. But they definitely need Kanza in there if Pau Torres isn't there because they can drop the shoulder step. And once you do that, once the defender does that, you've got a man over then, and that's how you... Villa's whole domino effect happens. That's why it's so easy for Villa's because they just work the ball through that middle and we laugh about how simple it is but it requires players who are good on the ball and good athleticism to do that and just give us control from a good central platform. Yeah, I mean, the, the other the other point to make on that is, of course, that he was probably needed to play concert right back today and I'm not sure if he had another option to play it right back. But then you probably have to think about a different way to play. We probably can play the 4-2 four, four in possession so why not think of something different why not bring somebody else into midfield didn't again need to play that high up I know he was giving us a platform and whenever he got brought up we didn't do anything afterwards yeah. but did we need another body in midfield to just make up for the fact that one of the bodies that was in there was Neander Dendonker I'm just adding in another nomination now because you said that and I did sort of think when the game was coming off even though he wasn't playing that well it was like he's the only one that was receiving the ball and giving us a platform like you say <laughs> just seemed especially the way that game was going especially with the lack of control we had through the middle putting Duran and Watkins up like Watkins didn't get any balls what was the point of having Duran up there is it just it just felt like we threw together this team who didn't know each other like strangers in a vegetable aisle, like you say <laughs> <laughs> and nothing was connecting and Zaniolo was trying to run at the fullback every so often which I was happy to see but that was you know, that was just somebody trying to run at a fullback it was just a team of individuals trying to make something happen and all of them just scattered around the pitch and, and once again I've never seen this villa look so disjointed or the pitch look so big and everybody looks so far apart and far away from each other it's just night and day from what we're used to and no we're spoiled but it's harder to take then when you do you have to get used to it yeah and like John McGinn was obviously very important to to receive the ball further up the pitch but I mean, we weren't getting it up the pitch often enough, so yeah. should we not have just brought him back in, especially when we were under the cosh? That would have been that could have been a change that he was thinking about there. Drop John McGinn in a little bit deeper. Didn't make much difference when he came on, but you know, Diaby could have gone up there into John McGinn's position. There was no reason mm. for Dendonker to be there. He wasn't defending strong. He wasn't receiving the ball. So what's the point of yeah. him being in there? Could have put Ramsey up top instead. Maybe tried something different because what we were doing certainly wasn't working. The last nomination, maybe the winner, and this will surprise you. But it's Unai Emery. <laughs> and it's Unai Emery thinking that we played brilliantly for 60 minutes. Yeah. I don't know if he did think it. And he said it. Maybe he's just massaging the numbers for himself because we were ahead for all that time. But we did not play well. We did not play well from, I said, 26 minutes. From half an hour on, like the last 15 minutes of the first half were painful. And it was plain to see that we can't keep going like this. And unfortunately we did. Like we... We played all right against a really bad team for 26 minutes. <laughs> and we definitely didn't play brilliantly for 60. 
Well, I think as we all know, it's one of the laws of the game. You're not allowed to make any changes before halftime. So when we eventually struggled over to halftime, I'm really surprised he didn't attempt to do something. And not even the personnel. It's let's shuffle the deck around. Let's try something different yeah. on the pitch. Let's work with what we got. Could he brought John McGinn into midfield again, tried to tighten that up, got rid of Leon Bailey from the wing, put him up top. Use the players that we have. That's the benefit of having yeah. McGinn, Ramsey, and Leon Bailey. Yeah, that they can play in different positions. Zaniolo, Diaby. That's why he wants these players in his team. Can we try a different approach? Because we're getting strangled here in yeah. for ten minutes at the end of the first half. What are we going to do to get out of this situation? And we're not just going to limp on and hope we don't concede. We've got Clement Longley playing centre half. <laughs> That's so true. Like we, because he has in fairness moved these players around in the long term but we probably could do it more especially in games like this when we're playing so badly like the examples you're given are perfect because wouldn't it have been nice to see McGinn against Wan-Bissaka I mean there's a completely different challenge that Wan-Bissaka hasn't been faced with and you know, we know Wan-Bissaka's a good one-on-one defender so I was happy that Bailey wasn't over there but wouldn't it have been good then to see Bailey up top although he doesn't seem to he seems to have an aversion to that and then Ramsey back over in the right where he started under Emery just to refresh him and get him at Dallow or something like that just like you say, just shuffle the deck, and it probably wouldn't work. We could just give it 10 minutes and then make the subs. Yeah, and uh, I was actually thinking that you were going to nominate uh, not making any changes for so long in that game. Yeah. And then whenever Emery said we were really good for 60 minutes, I was thinking, oh, does he actually think he didn't need to make any changes <laughs> to the personnel on the pitch there? But as you said there, you ran through. I think he named all five players in the what the fuck award <laughs> that he brought on. I mean, none of them did themselves any favours in trying to get into the yeah. team in the future. Yeah, let's do the vitamin meter. Let's do the vitamin meter with a heavy heart. The I don't know if there's anybody going up. I don't even want to give anybody going up. Well, Austin McPhee's definitely going oh, up. Oh, sorry, I mean, the, yeah. The redemption of Austin McPhee. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a children's film, The Redemption of Austin McPhee. It's a sequel to Austin <laughs> McPhee and his fantabulous Microsoft notebook. Like, when, when he turned up and said as well, you could sack your hair and makeup department because he's perfect. <laughs> and, and we've never been slow to give him credit when he deserves it. Just so happens he's never deserved it before. And this is the first time I'm going to give him credit. The routines work perfectly today. And Jesus Christ, he's flying up the vitamin meter. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's good that you pointed that out the only other potential going up is maybe Patrice Evra for calling the turnaround but, <laughs> but also him and Bobby Martin is coordinating their coats as well I don't know if you noticed their two coats before the game is this a smart coat is this what I'm looking for is I hope this- it's the hope that's not what you're looking for <laughs> it didn't look that well in fairness I'm I'm, I'm I'm praising them. They're going up in the line of meter for coordinating, but maybe not for the style. I didn't like the style. It had sort of like a suit pattern going through it, you know, like a, a Conor McGregor type of suit. Mm. You know, that sort of line going through it on a smart coat. I don't know if it really works. Now, I know I'm not a smart coat aficionado just yet, and I am on the lookout. <laughs> and maybe I'm not the one to be criticising their style of smart coat, but I at least give them credit for wearing the same thing. Well, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, it's wearing the same clothes as somebody else without, without question. Sorry, yeah. I'm not wearing a hoodie. I mean, <laughs> do you remember, uh, it was like four or five days ago where we texted each other saying, are we doing a no present pack again this year? And I said, I am happy not to buy you a present. Take the pressure off each other. We only have to buy four or five presents now mm-hmm. instead of five or six. But I do want something from you, Connor. It's Christmas. <laughs> Let's just move on from this topic. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't give Prime too much credit because they are going down overall whilst their pundits individually might have been performing or coordinating their outfits. 
Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Prime. Not only haven't they changed the colours mid-game on the top left-hand side, <laughs> I noticed, don't think I didn't notice, they had Villa with Claret initially and then they changed it to the whatever colour that away jersey. Who, who could have predicted that Aston Villa weren't going to wear Claret at Old Trafford? <laughs> but they also, in the pre-game graphic of the team lineups, they had a picture of Arn Ramsey playing left wing for Aston Villa. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I was given out a few days ago about the, and you just mentioned it there, the complete lack of respect from Sky, Everett and Gary Neville rolling out of bed and grabbing a hoodie and saying, oh, I have to do the, the Aston Villa Sheffield United game, do you? <laughs> like, not only do Aaron and Jacob not look like each Jeez, other. Jeez, it's not even close. They don't even play for the same club anymore. I mean, like, they might as well put up a photo of Gordon Ramsay. What the fuck was this about? How far down Google do you have to scroll if you type in Ramsey Villa to get a picture of Arm Ramsey? Yeah. What? The, f- the first photo? Just use that. It's fucking fine. Just use the ones that have been submitted pre-season. Fucking absolutely ridiculous. Disgraceful as well. Not only that they made the mistake, somebody else has made this mistake before. So you'd think these lads working in the graphic departments for these fucking teams or for these broadcasters would have would have this. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's really, really unbelievable. And like like you said, it's been made on match of the day before. It's a joke. How many people work here that, that it happens? And yeah, just type it into Google. Type, don't, you don't even have to type in Jacob Ramsey. Because now when you type in Ramsey Villa, there is only one Ramsey playing for Villa. <laughs> so it immediately brings up Jacob Ramsey for you on Google. And picture Jacob Ramsey, Jacob Ramsey, Jacob Ramsey, Jacob Ramsey with Alex Moreno, Jacob Ramsey's transfer mark, Jacob Ramsey's Wikipedia. Is Arne Ramsey related to Jacob Ramsey? You know, <laughs> but still no picture of Arne Ramsey. I can't even see a picture. I'm going through it right now and I can't even see a picture. And the only thing, maybe, maybe they would have got confused because because he also wears Claris at, <laughs> at Burnley. And we know that they thought Villa were coming wearing Claris. So we like, fine. There we go. Uh, going down... I mean, can we keep putting Musa Diaby down? This has been so disappointing from him. I know we spend a lot of money. We don't need to go on and on about that. But just, like, we've compared him to Messi twice. <laughs> God, we compared him to a shit Messi. Yeah, yeah. Compared him to Messi light. Compared him to, he can do anything on the pitch. Like, he's just, I don't know what's going on. He, he seems a bit broken. I, I, you're absolutely right. I, mean, I think you, you said to me, I think you said it in the podcast there, that... All he did when he came onto the pitch was try to control the ball, try to get his first yeah. touch under control. That was the two things he did whenever the ball came near him. Really, really bad performance. You're looking at the bench as well, and in theory, it looks like it's strong. In theory, it looks like if you're struggling against Man United, you, you'll have options there to change it. Not that any of us actually suspected be struggling against Man United. <laughs> but then, like we said, the players who came on, what was the point? They were mm. absolutely dreadful. Diego Carlos is going down. He has this habit sometimes of standing on the ball for minutes in a football match without moving it. <laughs> and again, we'll try to draw people to us, but sometimes you're 3-2 down and time's running out. <laughs> and he was just a bit clumsy today. He's bonding over people. He's fouling them when he didn't have to in their own half, like in the United half. Chasing boys up there where you're wondering why is he up there anyway. And the penalty that he would have given away if it wasn't an offside, we don't need to talk about it, but it just looks so clumsy. And... Yeah, just wasn't a performance that filled me with confidence. Yeah, Diego Carlos, Diego Carlos wasn't good, and I know part of our game plan is to be patient to suck the opposition in. But we said this about Sheffield United: if the opposition aren't being sucked in as well, you do have to move the ball. Yeah. But Man United were coming to us, so there was space. He just has to yeah. find it. He has to move the ball quicker. If you've got two points of movement, the ball and the player you're trying to pass it to, it's a lot harder to defend against. Yeah. So move the fucking ball. 
Longley can like he contributed to a goal very well, but he's going down. And look at Dean. I've been putting it up every bloody week f- this season, but since Alex Marino's come back, he can't handle the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going down for not being able to handle the pressure. Andy Vyman handled the pressure every week. <laughs> Scott Sinclair was breathing, <laughs> breathing down his neck, and he was able to cope with it. <laughs> yeah, look at him. wasn't good. wasn't good on the ball. looked like he was panicky every time. He looked like he was panicky when Arm Wambasaka was coming towards him. He's going down for that on its own. Not a good performance from Luca Dean. Probably should have got Alex Moreno on quicker. Is what I was thinking at the time, but after he came on. <laughs> I'm basically just going through the team thinking about who's going down. <laughs> and Douglas away, he's definitely going down. Terrible body language in terms of his body positioning on the pitch. Jacob Ramsey's going down. Uh, Donker scored a goal, so maybe, maybe that voids him going down. Um, who, who else is playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Like they're, they're, a lot of them are going down. The really frustrating thing about Douglas Louise, the, the whole reason Douglas Louise controls the ball with his studs is so that he's got more options that he can manipulate the ball yeah. in any direction that he wants. Yeah. Why was he bothering to do that against Man United? Because all he was doing was going back to Diego yeah. Carlos anyway. Too slow to move on to the ball, too slow to move it, and too slow to not look fucking forward. Yeah. Ridiculous. I want to put McGinn down because I've got so much high standards for him now and I want him just receiving so much ball, especially when we're under that much pressure. I'm asking him to do a lot, but I am weighing it up. And he missed a chance, which is pissing me off too, but he also did was the key to our two goals as well. So maybe I'll just not have him going up or down in this game. Yeah, I'm happy to leave McGinn where he is, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, not happy to leave him where he is. <laughs> I might leave him up front, isolated, while he walking. <laughs> Anybody else? Like it's everybody. It's just basically everybody. Like you know, apart from Austin McVie, Austin McVie's going up. Craig Pawson. Craig Pawson's definitely going down. Craig Craig Pawson was ref in that game, like Will Ferrell and Elf. This <laughs> is caught up in the magic of it. Too excitable. Bruno Fernandez told him he was the world's best player, and he believed it. Started telling the linesman, brought him out to see Bruno Fernandez and all. Absolutely ridiculous how swept up in the emotion he was. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you're welcome (laughs) yeah thanks for listening to me I'm very happy to put a pin on this one I was dreading doing the podcast to be honest I was going to sleep last night and I was just you know you try blocks on out of your head (laughs) thoughts of someday your mortality someday you'll cease to exist and you'll stop living and you'll be like well geez no point thinking about that right now (laughs) it's not going to get anybody anywhere and I wake up in the morning I'll be fine I won't be thinking about it again so like every time this villa game was creeping up into me I was like no just just put a screen down and push it to the side. What good happened today? <laughs> Every time this Billy game came under my head, I was thinking, no, just think about your own mortality. You won't have to put up <laughs> yeah. with this team forever. It's <laughs> yeah. a good way to deal with that, actually. Yeah. So we know we don't have to suffer for, <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the universe. So, you know, we'll be fine. We'll be free someday. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. <laughs>